We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome inside another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. I am your host, Nick, and I am joined by my co-host, Jacob Westendorf. And it is Wednesday, November 8th, which means tomorrow is the first preseason game for the Green Bay Packers. And so we'll be on preseason eve here talking a little bit about preseason in general, whether or not... There should be four preseason games, what to expect from the preseason, both from Aaron Rodgers and the veterans, as well as some of the younger guys and the rookies. And we'll talk a little bit about training camp, though, to start here. So I want to play you a little bit of audio from Aaron Rodgers from last week, talking about training camp and what it means for players at different levels. Take a listen. Aaron, we only see, obviously, what the work you guys do on the field but how much of training camp is also the rest of what you guys do and, and what percentage of it is actually practiced? About less than half, for sure. <laughs> Those are long days. The meetings are tough uh, because they uh, seem endless at times, but they're, they're all really important. The mental part, especially for young players, is the most important thing. You know, when you can start to slow down your mind, uh, it actually allows your body to play faster. You're reacting more. So, Jacob, you heard there Aaron Rodgers talking about the importance of practice and 
that actually what a lot of what they're doing in training camp here is actually less practice and more meetings and kind of getting on the same page with everyone mentally. When Aaron Rodgers talks about half, less than half of it is practice, you know, for a guy like Aaron, you know, he might not need those reps, but how do you think training camp for younger players is it, is it, do you think it's more important that they have the actual physical practice reps with players, or do you think it's more important that they mentally understand where, you know, if you're one of the three rookie wide receivers, is it more important that they're just mentally into the playbook and on the same page with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, it's kind of a crash course for both, you know, the rookies and some of the newer guys is getting involved in getting involved in the playbook, getting involved on the field. I, I don't know if one is necessarily more important than the other. The issue that we've run into now is, you know, there's there's less practice time. There's less uh, legal practice time, certainly, because of the collective bargaining agreement that was signed in 2011. And I think that – I really think that's hurt some of your younger players that maybe used to be ready to play a little faster – or, you know, the early season, you always talk about these teams that it takes them a while to kind of get going a little bit. It's very rare a team starts the season firing on all cylinders and is ready to go. Now, I'm not saying that they did that back in the day when they practiced twice a day and all that stuff. But, I, I mean, I do think that there is at least some effect of the CBA knocking out some of this practice time. I mean, <laughs> you hear it all the time, these, these rookies, it takes them almost a full season to get adjusted to how the NFL works, how practice works, and what's expected of you immediately. And we hear it all the time with Aaron Rodgers. When it comes to his receivers, you know, the first thing that you want to hear about is, is he in the right spot at the right time? So that's the mental portion, but then does he make the play as well? Because quite frankly, you can be in the right place at the right time all the time. Jared Aberderis was that way, to use one example. He just wasn't able to make a ton of plays. Now, some of that was because of <laughs> availability issues, no doubt, but there are plenty of players that have known the playbook and just haven't been able to make the plays on the field. And then, you know, you have the other guys who they're able to make special plays with the ball in their hands or near the ball, and but you can't really put them on the field because you don't trust them to be in the right spot in a big deal. And sometimes being in the right spot is the difference between a seven-yard hitch for a first down and a pick six for the other team. So, I mean, both are important. I don't want to say one is more important than the other, but for the younger guys... I can definitely see where this becomes a, a really long process. But, they, you know, they've lost their practice time, so they really have to be ahead on the mental side of things. So with the nature of the CBA, I think that that's the way it has to be. You really have to be ahead of the curve on the mental stuff. So preseason game number one is tomorrow night. And last year we didn't see Aaron Rodgers at all in the preseason at Lambeau. Uh, he didn't play at all in the first game at Lambeau, which was game one, and we didn't see him at all in game four at Lambeau as well. He played very sparingly in their second game. I think he played a drive, and he, against the Broncos in game number three, he played, I think, a quarter. Given his injuries, do you expect to see him at all in the preseason this year? I expect Mike McCarthy to play him a little bit, probably about the usage rate that you mentioned last year. Uh, he's not He's not going to play Thursday night, and he won't play in the fourth preseason game. He almost never has since he's become the unquestioned, fully entrenched starter. Game two, 
yeah, maybe one possession. You know, last year I think it was Washington. They went down the field. They scored a touchdown, and then he played about a series. My rule for Aaron Rodgers this preseason, personally, and I am not Mike McCarthy, and some of you should thank your lucky stars. That is the case. I would not put Aaron Rodgers in a game that David Bakhtiari is not also going to play in. I understand when the season starts, if Bakhtiari gets hurt, you know, you can't put Rodgers in a bubble. But at the same time, you know, you just – it's an unnecessary risk that I don't think needs to be taken. So if Bakhtiari's not going to play, that's the way I would approach it if I was Mike McCarthy. I expect to see him, but very little, if, if at all. And so when we talk about preseason games, you know, in the past Aaron Rodgers has voiced his opinion on – you know, how he feels about having four preseason games. You go back to, what was it, 2015 when Jordy Nelson tore his ACL in the preseason. Aaron Rodgers not happy at all. Do you think that with injuries as prevalent as they are these days, should the NFL be, in general, be playing four preseason games? And if they are, you know, again, we've talked about bigger, you know, stars like Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, we've talked about how much Aaron Rodgers will play, but how much do you expect other, you know, big-name players such as Randall Cobb, Clay Matthews, many of the defensive starters, how much do you expect to see them play this preseason? To answer your first question about how many games there are, uh, I get it. It sucks, and it's hard to watch, but at the same time, I think that I've always called preseason games a necessary evil. I wish there was a way to only get two preseason games, but with the lack of practice time that these coaches have, they have less and less time than ever to evaluate these younger players. So the preseason isn't necessarily for guys like Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams. It's for guys like Jake Kumaro, uh, Jermaine Whitehead, guys that are trying to make a run at a roster spot. Coaches got to see them in a game, too, because, you know, it happens on both sides of the coin. You have a guy who lights it up in practice, and then when a game starts, he has no idea what to do. Uh, And it goes the other way as well. You have a guy who maybe stinks in practice, but when the lights are on, he shines. Um, And that's kind of what these preseason games do. Plus, I mean, there's some fun to be had a little bit. I mean, there's some... You know, Matt Hasselbeck was known as Mr. August. Jeff Janis was a preseason touchdown machine. If you just kind of take the preseason for what it is, which is for those kinds of guys, I mean, obviously, yeah. Nick, you and I sit down and we watch the Packers on Sundays. We want to see Aaron Rodgers throwing touchdown passes to Jimmy Graham. But that's not really what this is for because at some point, there are guys that make the roster in the preseason that – have an impact for you down the stretch. You know, Jared Bush was a guy like that. As bad as Jared Bush was, he was an impact player in the Super Bowl, for example. That's something that the preseason can bring along that maybe you otherwise wouldn't know to keep that guy on the roster. So it's unfortunate that we have to wait that long to get uh, to get all the guys in the game. But, I mean, I don't expect guys like, you know, Rodgers and Cobb and Matthews and the guys you mentioned to play a ton. Because the Packers have so many young players at some of those positions. You know, giving a rep to a guy like Randall Cobb is almost a waste because of guys like Jay Kumaro, D'Angelo Yancey, Equinemius St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I got both their names down. How about that? And uh, <laughs> Jamon Moore. You know, guys like that need the reps. So a guy like Randall Cobb, 
listen, I know what I'm getting out of Randall Cobb. He's a pro's pro. He's been a great player. Devontae Adams, same thing. Jimmy Graham, same thing. Let's see what Emmanuel Bird has. Let's see what, you know, those receivers I just mentioned have. Uh, those kinds of guys. That's what I expect from the preseason. So now, you know, a lot of fans, you touched on it. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with the preseason because – Ultimately, when I'm sitting down and watching it, even if it's the Packers, the game doesn't mean anything. The outcome is meaningless. But to some extent, I really enjoy watching some of these young guys. For example, Thursday night, I'm very excited to watch Deshaun Kaiser play because Brett Hundley was very bad last year, and I'm hoping that Deshaun Kaiser can be hopefully a replacement for him and a step up at quarterback but the other thing that I also take away from is, say Deshaun Kaiser comes in in the third quarter and he's playing the Titans' third-string defense, if he looks good, does that mean anything? Because, you know, he'll be playing against talent that he, if he were to, for some reason, have to start for Rodgers, he's going to be playing against talent that he wouldn't be playing against in a situation when he'd have to sub in. So when a player... Like Kaiser, or even some of the younger guys, when it's third and fourth quarter and they make a big play, how much of that is something we should be excited about, and how much of it should we be looking at it and say, "All right, let's slow down because these guys they're making plays on might not actually be playing in the regular season." I think we've mentioned some of the poster children for that. You know, Brett Hundley was one of them. You know, you sit back and you think about the hypothetical conversations. I know every Packers fan had them. Maybe we could trade Brett Hundley for like a third-round pick. And now, Hundley started half a season, and you couldn't trade him for the fifth-round pick you drafted him with. I would at least bet on that. Jeff Janis is another example. He was a absolute stud in preseason as a wide receiver. During the season, he couldn't get on the field. Why? Because he's, he's not very good at playing wide receiver. He's a very good punt gunner, and you can let those guys be that. So I say have fun with it. There are some things you can learn. Uh, like, for example, uh, Aaron Jones last year flashed in the preseason, and that was something that carried over into the regular season. It's kind of like scouting college football, um, at least similar to it from the standpoint of you're looking at traits more so than results. So does this quarterback keep his footwork when there's pressure from another team? How does this tackle do against mood? You know, Jason Spriggs, when he came out of college, the first thing I wanted to watch was how does he do – against an NFL pass rusher that has an inside move because that's been his bugaboo, and it seems like it's been that way since he's been in the pros. So you're almost looking at traits more than you are results. So, for example, you know, let's just say Thursday night, Josh Jackson picks off a pass from whoever the Titans' backup quarterback is at this point. I'm not even sure anymore. Um, that's going to be great, and that's a fun result, and it's cool to get excited about one of your top draft picks. What I'm going to be watching is the other snaps where he doesn't make a play on the ball. Is he in coverage? Are they in the right spots? Those kinds of things. I think that's what you're watching. So have fun with it. It's football. But at the same time, you know, if Brett Hundley comes in and throws five touchdown passes, that doesn't mean he all of a sudden became an NFL starting quarterback because I think we figured out pretty loud and clear last year he's not that. So as of right now, I haven't seen, and maybe, Jacob, you have seen it. I don't know... I'm ass- my assumption is that Aaron Rodgers will not play Thursday night. And so that leaves the question, who is going to start the game at quarterback for the Packers? I don't know if it'll be Kaiser or if it'll be Hundley. 
But who do you expect to see more of in the game? Or do you expect that Hundley and Kaiser will get equal amounts of playing time to show the coaches kind of what they can do? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of gone through this with some people before. Is you know, I know Tim Boyle is having a pretty good camp. And, at, you know, a couple practices he was taking uh, the reps right behind Aaron Rodgers. I don't put a ton of stock into that. I honestly think uh, they didn't trade a starting defensive back, albeit one that they couldn't wait to get rid of. I think some of the stuff that Brian Gutekunst and Mike McCarthy and all of them have said since Randall left has made things loud and clear. They did not want him in Green Bay anymore. But nonetheless, they didn't trade a starting DB for a quarterback that was going to be their third stringer. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser, (laughs) Nick, I said this to you before the show started, I mean, he would literally have to puke on the field in order to not be the backup quarterback. I mean, he would just have to look like complete deer in headlights, awful. Think of the way Johnny Manziel looked in his CFL start the other night. That's how bad Kaiser would have to be throughout the preseason to not be the backup quarterback. So I expect to see a lot of Kaiser. And so do you expect Kaiser to start? And if he's not the starter, do you expect him to get any reps Thursday night with the first unit offense? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that that's something that McCarthy can probably play with through the first two preseason games is, you know, hey, this game you start with the first unit. So maybe Thursday night it's Kaiser, maybe it's Hundley. And then next week uh, when they take on the Steelers, you know, it's the other guy, whoever that is. I think that in order for a true competition, which, I mean, I don't necessarily believe it's competition, but in order for one to be there, there has to be a relatively level playing field. I mean, if if he's playing, if Kaiser's playing his games behind, you know, Lane Taylor and Corey Lindsley and, you know, basically the starting offensive line, and then when Hundley comes in, it's the camp bodies, it's not really a fair fight, um, so to speak, in that. and the same goes for the other way around, so... I would think that they'll interchange those guys with the first unit. I think that's what they should do if they truly want it to be a competition, but I don't think it is one, if that makes any sense. All right, well, so let's wrap it up here with games tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Who are you, who is your player to watch in the game? Who is someone that people should keep an eye on that you think will be interesting and could potentially have a roster spot at the end of the at the end of camp that maybe right now is on the bubble. I don't know if he's necessarily on the bubble, but I do want to see him do it against somebody else. Uh, and that's Montrevious Adams. He's he was dominant on Family Night. Um, from his, I mean, he was in the backfield all the time. At times, I thought I was watching 2010 BJ Raji. Um, I mentioned this. Jason Perone mentioned this yesterday on Pulse of the Pack that, you know, this has potential to be the best defensive line in the league. And Montrevious Adams would make it even deeper because you know what you're getting with Kenny Clark. You know what you're getting with Mike Daniels. You're hopeful of what you can get with Muhammad Wilkerson. And Dean Lowry was quietly pretty good last year as well. Adams just adds another guy to that rotation uh, that could make this defensive line very strong, both against the run and as a and as a pass rusher, uh, he's been one of the stories of camp, and he really was a story of the offseason last year until he broke his foot. That really kind of took away his entire season was he wasn't able to wasn't able to build on any of the momentum that he got early in the offseason there. So 
I'm looking forward to him on offense. Uh, Jake Kumaro is a guy who he's had a really strong start to camp. He's had some advantages of being a, a veteran, so to speak, instead of some of the rookies, but he's made a play a day. Uh, the guy that I always point out this time of year is Geronimo Allison. I remember his rookie camp. Uh, he was someone that I read about every single day. He was making a play and catching passes from Aaron Rodgers and stuff like that. So that's that's the way you're going to make the roster. Uh, he's got a long uphill battle to climb here if he's going to make the roster. But those are two guys. Uh, if you want somebody that maybe is on the bubble that could have a roster spot, I'd go with Kumaro. But I really want to see Montrevious Adams play against somebody else. All right. Well, that is it for Jake and myself. Jacob, if people want to follow you, how can they do that? You can find me on Twitter. I am at Jacob Westendorf. I'm pretty easy to find. I tweet all the time, so I have a minor addiction to the tweeter machine. So go ahead and find me. Say hello. All right, awesome. And I am Nick, and you can follow me on Twitter at SportsSchmitty. I don't tweet a whole lot, so you know maybe maybe once maybe once the season starts, you'll see a little bit more from me. But uh, and you know make sure to like and follow Pack a Day Podcast on Twitter. Make sure that you're following and subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. And make sure you check out Dan and Chris's podcast tomorrow. I'm sure they'll be breaking down much more of Packers-Titans opening preseason game for the Packers and what to expect from that game. Thanks again for listening, guys. And remember, Go Pack Go! Rodgers gets the snap. Blitz is on. Rodgers scrambles left. Winds up rainbow. He's got Cobb in the 10 to the middle. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Oh, my goodness. An NFC North Division Championship dagger of 47 yards. Hasselback maybe changing the play of the line. Looks left and right. Takes the snap. Short drop. Quick throw. Left side. Yes. Scrambles to his left under pressure, rolling right, escapes, right side looking, rainbows high and deep into the end zone, and it is caught, caught for a touchdown, a leaping touchdown, catch is made, and the Packers have won. Unbelievable. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.